My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with you. Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So, who are we talking about today, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, and boy, do we have a crazy episode for you today. We all know this world is bizarre beyond belief. Though pop culture drops hints, the masses remain blind to the occult reality that we are steeped in. Today's guest is working to decode and unlock the greater truths about our world and presents this info on his very informative YouTube channel in a way that I enjoy and a way that is sure to fill in the blanks and mediate the blank stairs folks donut from the donut factory all right let's get on with the show thank you for joining us here on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast the stuff that you can't talk about in school they don't go into the like spirit realm and all this stuff. I had the weirdest dream this morning. You know, I have weird dreams all the time. I start remembering the experiences. Like I kept it a secret because you know when you have a dream and you forget about it, but then you remember it later. You're like, so that's what I thought it was. There's this Wi-Fi mantis. That's why I call it. It's like a, a mantis, and I think it traveled through the Wi-Fi system. And then he started telling me about all these other experiences that tons of people had with mantis aliens. And he brings up these pictures and I'm like, bro, that's the freaking thing I saw. I was thinking like, okay, if aliens wanted to come contact you or me through coming like through the front door, could we handle that, this octopus alien creature using this telekinesis to control the planet? And if they're on Europa, on Jupiter's moon, could they be controlling us through their mind? And octopuses do uh, very weird things. Each one of their little arms, squid, you know, tentacles, it's its own brain. So they got all these different brains. Brings their intelligence is this thing called RNA, because they got this gene editing RNA. And then we all know we hearing a lot about RNA lately, you know. I go home and I'm searching like who else saw this? I thought it was gonna be the biggest news story. Like two in the morning, and the entire city turned green. The like the whole city. And then it went away. And it was 
conspiracies in the first place. And there's so many different like angles that brought me to conspiracy, but Jedi mind tricks, dead prez, immortal technique were like my top three and so many other underground rappers in between that just like filled in the blanks to all of these things I was noticing in the world. But either way, let's get rolling here, brother. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to meet you, man. Like I said, I'm very impressed with your YouTube channel, the quality, the caliber, and just the depth of topics that you've been getting into. In the past few days, I've been kind of sorting through some of your videos, and I like it. I'm excited to go across the whole conspiracy spectrum with you here today. So for folks who haven't heard of him before, he is Donut from the Donut Factory. And my brother, welcome to the My no. Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I got to ask you right off the bat, yeah, yeah. does your family think you're crazy? Dude, my family thinks I'm crazy <laughs> my whole life, except for my mom. Okay. So like my family, besides my mom, thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> so your mom's with us. She would listen to the show possibly? Oh, yeah. She's, <laughs> she's so cool. Most of my like creativeness comes from her because she would allow me to be who I was, you know? So if I wanted to be a hippie, she would allow that and embrace it. If I wanted to be a juggalo, <laughs> she would allow that. And she be, she took me to like my first ICP concert when oh, I was 10. Oh, shit. Okay. Maybe that's not a good way to start the show. <laughs> <laughs> but she allowed me. She got, bought me a guitar when I was a kid, you know? So, but my, my family, we're tight. We're cool. But they think I'm crazy. <laughs> right on. Cool, man. Well, then I could see, you know, maybe where some of the fringe culture seeped in at a young age. ICP is definitely fringe. I, I never listened to them myself, but one of my favorite TV shows growing up was Workaholics. And that's where I first like got a good impression, maybe in a, a comical way of ICP. But let's go back and rewind. Where does Donut first realize that we're living in a, a world full of conspiracies? You know, what was the first thing that maybe woke you up to something not being you know as we're told in school or or in traditional settings yeah well my mom was telling me about ufo encounters that she had when she was a child oh okay my, my uncles would as well and my uncles they're not really like that like conspiracy type people you know they're just like oh i go to work and then i got a house and and they think I'm crazy, you know, but they yeah. would tell me about these UFO experiences, not open my mind. And, and the distrust for government came from probably, you know, the whole, I was Jewish, you know, so knowing about the Holocaust since a little kid kind of warped my mind. <laughs> and I had another child family friend who worked at Area 51, his dad did, his stepdad. And I would ask him, like, are there aliens? And he's like, I can't tell you. And I'm just like, what's going on? And my mom would watch X-Files. I would watch The Simpsons. And then X-Files would come on right after it. And I would run in my room because I was so scared of that intro. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. Grew up in Las Vegas. So, I've kind of lived that. Lived a really great growing up. A lot of friends, a lot of rebellion. This is during when CKY came out. I don't know if you've seen CKY. 
That, it, that sounds familiar. If I feel like it had something to do with skateboarding, but now I'm kind of like, it's much darker than that. Can you please fill me in? No, 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 that's what it is. A skateboarding. Oh, okay. I grew up on skateboarding tapes. Right, cool, it's, cool. In every skateboarding tape, they'd always get arrested. And <laughs> yeah. so I had this rebellious attitude since a kid. And I just like loved art, music, and rebellion. That was like my thing. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. I, I, have sort of similar upbringings i was never quite the the best at skateboarding being like i don't know kind of awkwardly tall for my age and also the streets around here suck like the paving is terrible you might as well be skating on cobblestone but but are you in connecticut yeah i'm up in the great northeast new england and not too far away from a group that i've heard you mention a couple times skull and bones so that was kind of part of how i got a real taste of what was actually, you know, out there in the conspiracy world up close and personal. But, but yeah, man, that kind of like teenage, like angst of, of like being counterculture and not quite like choosing that way. That was like my kind of thing. Cause I was always a black sheep. So counterculture just found me or I found it in this natural kind of way. So I vibe with that, but it's interesting I got into skateboarding like four years ago, like as I, after I was already like, you know, grown and, and, uh, you know, I'm like six, eight now. So seeing me on a skateboard, people would be like, damn, like you skateboard, you know, <laughs> like, do you also <laughs> play basketball? Like, yeah, I'll, let me go dunk, you know, like, <laughs> no, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely re- relate to that for sure. So you're skateboarding, you're feeling this anti-establishment. Did you have any UFO experiences yourself or did, was that just something that your mother relayed to you? Like, like there was no doubting that she experienced that. So it was real for you. Did you have any experiences like that? I've always felt that there was someone watching mm. and I've always been scared of that, you know, and I didn't know if that was my imagination or what, whatever it is, or is it real? And I had like, they have this story about the Wi-Fi mantises. And that's what I ter- I coined this term Wi-Fi mantis, like mm. as an alien to describe my experience. And it's so like woo-woo. So I'd never talk about it really. This is the place for it, brother. Let's hear this it. This is the place for it. I could be myself. <laughs> and so what happened was, is I was like heavy in addiction, alcoholism, all that. And before I got sober, I, I had like, it's so hard to explain, but I'll just, I'll just say like in an extreme term and then kind of break it down, like what it could have been, it could, you know, but these like mantis aliens were operating on me in my studio apartment when I was doing like a lot of like, I was an addiction and I could see them operating on me and I wasn't scared. And I was like above them, like floating and looking down because I've always been scared of like something watching me. Like, is it aliens at my window? What is this? And it's stuff that you can't talk about in school. They don't go into the like spirit realm and all this stuff that is, it's there. Like I know it's there. And, but what happened was, is shortly after that, I got sober and shortly after that, I started remembering the experiences like, and I kept it a secret because, you know, when you have a dream and you forget about it, but then you remember it later and you're like, so that's what I thought it was. 
And I just kept it a secret in my head for years. And I had a friend who was into UFOs, which is like, what? Like you were, he's into government conspiracies, which is very rare to find someone like that. And this was like five years ago. And he would, and I told him about my experience. It's like, oh, there's this Wi-Fi mantis. That's why I call it. It's like a, a mantis. And I think it traveled through the Wi-Fi system. And then he started telling me about all these other experiences that tons of people had with mantis aliens. And he brings up these pictures and I'm like, bro, that's the freaking thing I saw. And it like, I was like tripping because, and then I'm talking to my new friend that we've been friends for a couple of years. And he's like, dude, these mantises go way back, like really smart people. I just get my information from, <laughs> I don't consider myself smart. I do a lot of editing to sound smart. And, but these researchers talk about these mantis aliens. And so it gets me thinking like, is this real? Is just our psyche Carl Jung, when he said the psyche, he meant the soul and like, what are dreams? Mm. And why do we all have the same dreams? Like, why do we all have the same dreams of being naked or falling? Like, I'm very interested in that. Mm. Why don't we learn about this in school? Like, I think it's real. For me, yeah, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was going to just comment real quick. For me, it's like snakes and crocodiles. I'll have this weird dream where I either either get surprised by a snake or surprised by a crocodile. And I've had a couple weird snake encounters that just this past year while hiking, but don't let me cut you off there. But go ahead. Yeah, but the the snake, like the dragon, Mm. why does it show up in every culture all over the world? What? is that were there dragons flying around because i mean why were why would china have a dragon and Mm. all these different countries have dragons that are you couldn't travel to but it seems like you could with the whole tartaria your last episode was fire thank you yeah well on the point of dragons gordon white uh was just on the show this episode is not coming out yet the gordon white episode he made the connection with dragon lines and ley lines and that connects to this theory i was listening somebody named walter bosley talk about where these ley lines might be where ufos are using like that there's something about that specific area that helps the ufo fly right so they're using these dragon lines which is interesting considering you know there's all these ancient legends of dragons flying through the sky you consider the the general description of a dragon is like a scaly fire breathing thing i mean from our modern lens you could interpret a a metal ship with the exhaust coming out of the back as scaly and fire breathing right from an ancient mindset so it's absolutely uh fascinating now the mantis thing though let me let me connect some dots here for you because i agree with you like i do a lot of editing here on this show to make myself sound smart too. So <laughs> don't worry, you're not alone. You're not alone. I, I get a lot of, you know, my research from other authors, you know, our authors and other, you know, podcasters and whatnot, because I'm not an author yet. Hope to be. I heard, is that right? You have a book out? Did Alex Stein? I wrote a book. Yeah. But I mean, like, let's, let's talk about that at some point. So you're an author. I'm not an author. I made a misstep there, but you're an author. So it's a pleasure to have an author on the show, but let me, let me remind (laughs) myself for a second. 
This book over here, Secret History of the World by Mark Booth. I remember reading that when I was uh, like 22, fell in love with it, inspired a lot of the other reading I did. But one part of the book that really stood out was when they talked about spiders coming from space. And this is a weird story because it comes from ancient times. It's not like, you know, past 500 years. They talked about I think it was Sumeria or Assyrians had this legend that the spiders and scorpions came literally from space and whether that's a meteor or something, but I think, you know, folks like yourself and many others who have had these manted experiences, what if there's a whole insect, you know, multi-dimension where it's only insect beings and they're able to phase into other dimensions and maybe, you know, they're limited in size here where we're at, but in that sort of astral realm, they're not limited in size and they can also maybe be humanoid, you know, the same way we would see. So this Wi-Fi mantis, when you're being operated on, did you just see like the, like the pincers and whatnot, like you're on like the operating table or like how, what was that experience like? Yeah. So I'm laying on my bed studio apartment like 400 bucks a month broke hungry not sober and i'm dreaming or i'm floating above my body and they are operating on me and it looks like i don't know but i felt like i wasn't scared and i was looking at it and yeah i was just in my bedroom and it was during the day and and it it just stuck with me. It could have been just a dream, you know, but I'm open to like what I had the weirdest dream this mm. morning. You know, I have weird dreams all the time. It could have been just a dream, but it, it happened. And I remember it or maybe it wasn't because I remembered it later. So I was thinking like, okay, if aliens wanted to come contact you or me through coming like through the front door could we handle that so maybe they smart enough to know we can't handle something like that and they come through do something and then you remember it later so i mean that's another thing that i was thinking yeah no no absolutely i think that's uh that's a very common explanation or not even common but like you frequently hear that with ufo contactees or experiencers that there's this memory lapse you know and and maybe even that's planned or intentional. One guest that we had on the show recently, Loomis from Chan It Down Radio, shout out to him. He had a strange UFO encounter where he felt this immediate sense of fear. And he's like, was camping like in someone's property in Hawaii, like a really kind of remote, Kauai's remote compared to the other islands. And he sees these strange lights and has this really weird sense of like, I need to get out of here, you know? And I think that indicates to me, maybe there's some kind of technology or some kind of psychic energy where they're like, they don't want to be interfered with. And maybe it's for our own safety that we don't interfere with them. So they put that like energy shield around their ships or their, even themselves like an aura uh, that keeps us from interacting with them, you know, like that whole Star Trek, not rule of non-interference, you know? Bro, I just got shivers, bro, because, like, I feel like that's, like, a lot of experiences I had as a kid look mm. like feeling, like, the fear of out, what's outside my window right now kind of thing, like, and that's deep. 
Another thing I wanted to add on about just the whole uh, spiders and scorpions and snakes is that like even in the Bible, my friend Joshua Abraham was telling me that like Jesus said that I give you like the power to tread or walk on scorpions and snakes. So like there's all this weird stuff that's connected with these insect creatures. And I mean, I think this octopus alien thing, there's something up to it as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I can't put my finger on it, but let's go back to, you know, you and, and your story a little bit. I definitely want to get to know you a little better. So, you know, reverse us back because, you know, we skipped ahead, I feel like, a little bit. It came in hard. Yes. (laughs) No, I I love it. I love it. So take us back to maybe before the Wi-Fi Mantis experience. And, like, before you got sober, you know, obviously a lot of these conspiracies can weigh you down. I myself smoke a bunch of pot to, you know, deal with that. You know, alcohol's never really been my thing, but... I congratulate you on getting sober, but I notice, like in this conspiracy world, a lot of people, they get that black pill, black pill, and then it just makes them, you know, want to suppress that in a variety of different ways, gambling, drinking, you know, all the rest. But, you know, was that true for your experience? Were you kind of in that like dark spot and that's what drew you into the conspiracy world or, or tell us, you know, where you first kind of woke up to like things like the Illuminati and, and the occult symbolism that's pervasive in our culture. Sure. Well, like I liked hip hop growing up. Right. I like punk growing up. I like juggalo stuff growing up. I like skateboarding all that. And that whole movement always talked about little things like that. They just throw it in there. Like, right industry is satanic jello biafro from dead kennedys would talk about it and i'd go hear him speak when he opened up for bone thugs and he would talk about 9-11 and i i mean i'm too young to really connect dots but i went to berkeley on a uh vacation with my friend and i remember it was during right after 9-11 and i remember seeing osama bin laden and george bush like mashed together like a face, like just like propaganda art, Mm. like some Banksy stuff kind of from like back in 2000. And it, it worked on my subconscious mind and I could, I connected the dots. I'm like, bro, it's all connected from seeing that image. And I don't know why I seen that image. And that's why I love making videos with music and imagery because it speaks to the subconscious mind. So when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a filmmaker and a comedian, but I was too scared to talk in front of people. So I'm like, dude, I could just film videos. I was uploading videos when I was a kid doing illegal stuff, like in middle school on a website way before YouTube. It was like around when bum fights came out and I was getting some traction there and got arrested and it really made me mad. And the schooling system failed me. They kept kicking me out of school Every time I ask a question, the whole classroom would laugh. I was dead serious and everyone would be laughing. And I didn't like that either. And I related to movies like Monty Python and hip hop. It was just very like all over the place. And I started working at this job and the dude brought up the Illuminati. And I was like, what is that? And he's all like, picture you get in, you sacrifice like a family member and then you get millions of dollars in your bank where you're good 
And I was like, oh, interesting. And then I'm thinking about Stanley Kubrick's videos. My mom showed me Clockwork Orange as a kid. So it was just like this really slow buildup of mm. just opening my mind. Right. Where it's not even conspiracy, like cons- like it's conspiracy theory. That's what it's known as now. But it's just like the truth, most likely. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's so interesting, the point on the Clockwork Orange, because my mom's friend had a bunch of blank DVDs, and we were, like, at her house for New Year's or something. And I ended up taking a bunch of these DVDs home, like, ask, you know, oh, can I have some of these? She's like, yeah, they're just copies. And one of them was Clockwork Orange. And I remember kind of, like, sneaking away to watch that probably in my room and being really, you know, disturbed (laughs) at probably, like, 15 years old or 14 seeing that, but also really fascinated at this, like, world that Stanley Kubrick created. And uh, you know, I've heard, I heard you talk about this on one of your videos, I think even the Squid Games one, about the concept of the Manchurian candidate. Something that I always wondered about is like, you know, and obviously this didn't happen to either of us, but I wonder if movies like Clockwork Orange can sort of trigger people the same way that Catcher in the Rye book is said to trigger Manchurian candidates. You know, another movie that stands out is a movie titled the manchurian candidate right it always comes across as like a weird movie that you you know it takes like a really academic mindset to understand my suspicion is maybe there's some kind of like mk ultra brain hypnosis going on and that's why everyone thinks this movie's like so great when really it's not it's just like programming people to do probably really awful things what are what are your thoughts on that Sure. Well, like this whole like assassin, mind control assassin, the CIA, they can mind put you under hypnosis and use these trigger words where they put you under hypnosis and you'll go out, carry a mission and come back. And everything is, you don't even remember it. You don't even. So if these people that are committing these crazy MK ultra assassins, like one of the guys that killed the Ken, one of the Kennedys, uh, Sir Henry. Yeah. So like you, you go commit the crime and then you wake up from the hypnosis from the trigger word and then you're there with a gun and you're just like, what did I just do? I don't even remember doing this. And that's what he was saying. Like, and he's saying he's under MK ultra mind control. His lawyer is and clockwork orange is about that. Like, but it's like a reversal. Mm. It's like this guy who's a serial killer, like, you know, crazy guy, not a serial killer, but probably close to it. <laughs> a gang member who gets put under MK Ultra right. through the flashing lights and isn't one anymore. So it was like MK Ultra, so he would stop doing that stuff. Yeah. So it's like so that was putting into our subconscious minds, you know, that there's MK Ultra stuff out there. But MK Ultra is very real and Michael Tessarian did a really good video on it. It's like a documentary, which was banned. And he goes back to the Hashashans. And that's where the assassins come from. It's from these Hashashans where they would like, you know, hit the bong and smoke that. They were a hash cult. They would smoke yeah. a lot of hash. Yeah. I smoke a lot of hash too, though. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. <laughs> I used to be a... We've had, uh, we've had this guy on the show who I definitely recommend you check out. His name's Chris Bennett, and he, okay. he writes the whole history of the occult symbolism of cannabis, and he touches on the hashashans in an episode, or in a chapter, sorry, uh, but... Where I first learned about that was the video game Assassin's Creed, and they literally put you through 
that initiation in the game as if you're like, you know, one of these hashassins, you know, and I keep butchering that word. I don't know. I'm not going to say that right. It sounds like I'm saying hash and eggs, but either way that, you know, you go into this like uh, drug induced stupor through cannabis. And I think they even were probably using opium at the time, but not like in the heroin form that we have now more mild form of that and you would wake up in this like paradise chamber you know and there'd be beautiful women and then they would kind of like you know tickle your fancies but take you out of there just in time for you to feel like ah like i want more of that and be like listen if you ever want more to go back to that heaven you got to do everything we tell you and for like a you know a, a random sheep herder guy back in the 1300s to go and land in this like fantasy world where there's hot women and you're in this drug induced stance. Like, you know, that's way better than normal life, like shoveling shit and, and watching sheep, you know, run around the flock. So I think there's like, that would definitely be like, put yourself in those shoes. That's like MK ultra in the, in that time period, you know, now they need to use a movie screen. Now they need to open our eyes like this, you know, to, to keep us watching. But you know, back then all it took was, you know, putting someone in that right altered state of consciousness with cannabis and whatnot and, and hoodwinking them in that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just look at myself growing up, like I would smoke weed, skip school, listen to like certain hip hop songs. Mm -hmm. And it would put me into this, like, like days where I started want, wanting to do other like illegal activity kind of things, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, so I can see the brainwashing. Right. No, I, myself, I mean, you know, not really being, sort of in the hood, but like really adjacent to the hood. I mean, Connecticut's a very wealthy state, but at the same time, like where I grew up is not wealthy at all. So it's kind of like, you know, there's a big disparity and yeah, man, totally, totally like that was a big part of why I stopped listening to rap, even though I love it so much. I love the, the information, the little gems that are hidden within it. It's just kind of like, you know, a ubiquitous like violence, you know, and then, uh, Clockwork Orange touches on that. You know, one of the phrases that he talks about ultra violence, you know, he mentions that phrase multiple times throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. We drink a little, uh, we got to do a little bit of the ultra violence. <laughs> yeah. The milk with, I don't know what's in the milk, but some kind of drug. Yeah, it's a drugged milk. I think it's, it's probably opium or something like that. But yeah, it, it's very, or it's, you know, it's a sci fi setting. So it could be some future drug that doesn't exist. But, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> but the um, hip hop culture, I kind of cut you off there. You're, you're going somewhere with that. My mistake. I watched that movie clockwork orange when I was 10 and hung over. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I grew up in a nice home and that was just on new years and right. whatever, you know? but I grew up in Vegas, but yeah, I love, I still love hip hop and I catch myself still listening to it, even though I'm aware I'm conscious and I'm sure that will probably change out as last night I was listening to classical music, but I like the aggression. I like having a little bit of anger to go motivate me to do something. And like, I'm just becoming more aware of myself through like my recovery and the way I operate. Cause everyone operates differently. And the way I operate is 
very different than a lot of other people, you know, like I'm a people pleaser, you know, a lot of guys aren't people pleasers, but I, I am. So I, I, op- I got to operate like, how do I not do that? And hip hop was an outlet sort of for that. So I, I would listen to all these hip hop artists. Like you, a lot of people from Connecticut too. Like, dude, I like apathy. He's from Connecticut. Dude, I've seen apathy live. He is, he is someone who fingers crossed, maybe we'll get him on the show. I haven't had any of like those rappers on the show, but I have had uh, destiny lab who made the intro song and he's a pretty dope rapper. And Josh Monday was another rapper that I had shout out to them. But apathy definitely is a big one for me. I'm glad you know about him. Yeah, he's got one of the best hip hop albums, Kinetic Connect. Okay. Greatest one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, I think, in my opinion, just the way it was produced. I'm a huge fan of, you know, that whole army of the pharaohs where he's in as well. Right. My friend that I grew up with just did a song with Apathy too. So yeah. that was pretty tight. And like I lo- love Jedi Mind Tricks. Grew up listening to Necro Ill Bill. I gotta work with Necro over the years on his lyric videos. I gotta work with Twisted awesome. videos. Yeah, yeah. Like if you watch the lyric video, take hip hop back as Vinny Paz Immortal Technique. It's yeah. a necro track. Yeah, I did. I that love that song. Video. Yeah, Holy I made that shit. lyric video. So damn, like, I'm 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 not much of a music video watcher, but I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I, I mean, I just haven't seen it, but I listen to that song for sure. Necro is one of my one of my favorites. He's he's got his own unique kind of flavor that he brings to each track. I like Necro. Yeah. So I did most of his lyric videos and, you know, I did most like, so I was in this hip hop world and like, I got a love for it. And that just also worked for like a news network too. That was like, just like some dude in Arizona. It wasn't like a news network just on YouTube for the last eight years. And he would study geopolitics and all that. So I get a lot of my information from the last eight years, editing videos on what's going on in the world. And he would bring me on the show sometimes. And like when the Las Vegas shooting happened, which Mm. could have been one of those Manchurian candidate things as well. And that kind of helped me out connect dots in the whole conspiracy field. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes I bring that stuff up. Well, it shows. I mean, I watched, I think, one of your more recent videos about what they have going on in Antarctica. And yeah, man, that, I mean, that's an example of something more recently that I hadn't heard about uh, until you mentioned it. And yeah, the, the stunning amount of wealthy, important, prominent figures from multiple different countries going to Antarctica of all places. We've actually had a show with Brad Olson, an author who's been to Antarctica, and he kind of like let the steam out of it a little bit and was like, oh yeah, no, it's not the firmament. And because I asked him, I'm like, what do you think about, you know, some of these Antarctica conspiracies? And he's written about them in his book, but he kind of just like he kind of took the steam out of it a little bit and said, oh, no, it's just all scientists' labs and stuff like that. But it really, you know, if it's all just scientists' labs, then where the hell is Klaus Schwab going? Like, why, you know, and all these other folks you mentioned in that video, which I encourage people to go check out and get the full scoop. But, you know, 
these people are not just random scientists. They're like, you know, politicians and whatnot. Where are they meeting in Antarctica on the, on the beach, you know, like next to penguins, you know, like they have to have some kind of fancy resort if people like that are staying there. And if there's a resort, well, then there needs to be people that, you know, you know, cause these are ty- the types of people that go places and get waited on, you know, they're not the type of people who like rough it in a, you know, a kind of bunker that a scientist would stay in you know these are these are people who they want a little bit of luxury for the type of money they're making the type of job they're doing so where are these antarctica resorts you know that's that's what really like boggles my mind when i hear information like that you know i'm like well you know where's all this infrastructure sure well this whole antarctica thing there's two things i'm going to bring up one is going to be more like the scientist guy who it's going to just ruin everything and then there's going to be a lot more which will open your mind like more to like the whole firmament or hollow earth as well but those tweets that i put in that video it came out that i think a lot of them were faked so like Mm -hmm. i had a i posted like uh, in the video description, like most of these, so the person who went to Antarctica was David Schwartz. But the thing is, is that there's a lot of truth in it as well, where Charles Schwa, all the people in the tweets are connected with this whole new system, the Great Reset, you know, the ISO 20220 or whatever, where they're switching the old system of the SWIFT for cross border remittance payments. So there's like, truth into it but i think someone created those mm, to okay. just like hoodwink people or whatever that word is i don't know <laughs> well I, I i definitely appreciate the transparency but you're not the you know the only person to to show that kind of information i know from uh, the higher side chats they've done episodes and on this subject and i've heard barack obama even like mitch mcconnell has been to Antarctica, like people who have not even held high office have been to Antarctica. So I still, I still think it raises the question whether those tweets are, are real or not, you know, where are these important people going when they go to Antarctica? Cause I I don't think they would stay in some like weather station, you know, (laughs) like those guys are sleeping on bunks with sleeping bags. They're not like sitting in a hotel or anything. Yeah. So David Schwartz, he's the guy who created Ripple and Ripple's being XRP being sued by the U.S. government, but it's okay everywhere. And they're totally, I don't know if you want to talk about that stuff, but Antarctica got that treaty. It could be the firmament or the hollow earth. I, I believe that right. As of of now, I've never been there, so I don't know, but like the economist magazine right here that I was talking about, it's the map of Antarctica and it's got the cryptos in it. And this magazine is the predictive programming that they do that the Rothschilds do because the Rothschilds run this and it was called the world in 2022. And they changed it this year to the world ahead in 2022. Right. And they predicted, you know, the rise of the cryptocurrency. They predicted the whole virus and stuff like that as well. They predict, they predict all this stuff. So I always look at it and read it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Even the octopus has come from Antarctica, the octopus, I forget the name. It's like UB, U3, UB3, something like that. It's an octopus in Antarctica that Russia acquired like from Putin that was using telekinesis on the crew members in Antarctica. Was that the one that they found all the way down in that, like, uh, 
like subterranean ice chamber or is that a different story i'm thinking of because i have heard about this telepathic octopus that <laughs> gave a submarine a run for their money or something like that yeah that's it that's it Damn. so there's that story out there and like big news articles cover it as well yeah. so <laughs> it, i'm just like but these i don't know maybe i should talk about the octopus aliens a little bit yeah let's get into it yeah i mean squid games kind of hints at that but maybe we'll talk about that next i don't know if that's related but go ahead let's get into these alien octopi yeah so talking about antarctica i got some notes up here so i could look at it let's hear it you know we got simpsons that does the predictive programming and they right. got the octopus aliens in there with krang and chronos or whatever their names are <laughs> and so even in this, here, I'm going to get rid of the notes. Look at the notes and going to screw me up. <laughs> in this Economist magazine, they go into Europa, where these octopus aliens may live, on Jupiter's moon. So Jupiter's got a ton of moons. And this one has like a thin layer of ice. So all these scientists are like, dude, there's octopus aliens there. Like scientists say it. And so I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like, that's interesting. And now we're getting all this propaganda, not, I don't know if it's propaganda, alien propaganda about my octopus teacher, squid games, all the squid stuff. And the squid games, like they got the PlayStation OX triangle. That's a secret society, like Freemasonic symbol as well. The OX and the triangle, which I was like, holy crap. And you might have to edit this a little bit because I'm all over the place. No worries. Yeah, we, we do. I have two programs that I use to edit. I use Audacity and I kind of take like the gaps out that are pretty obvious and I'll kind of like comb through it. And then the other program that I use, which is like such a time saver, is called Descript. And it takes your audio file, transcribes it, and then you can basically cut sentences out. So if I say like, you know, something like that's just between me and you, I can go back and like, you know, literally type in a search word like, you know, donut and then find every sentence where we said donut. And oh, you know, that's dope. Yeah. So there, there, there's a lot of like cool tech that, that we use behind the scenes here. <laughs> yeah, because it takes me forever to edit like my pauses and all this. and like, Oh, like, man. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just dive back into it. Yeah. Get back into it. No worries. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm rolling, uh, I'm rolling up over here. I hope you don't mind. So oh, make sure it's uh one point fat. That's what I, look <laughs> <at>. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a, I, I like cannabis, you know, I think it's great. I like CBD oil, you know, Okay. I think, it, you know, the constitution was written on hemp. I got nothing wrong with it. Cool. My family does it, you know, I did it. I would keep doing it if I didn't have a problem, you know, with life, life problem. Well, like, I ask cause I feel, you know, it does bother me cause I've been on you know, with Sam so many times and it didn't dawn on me until after I'm like, geez, I'm such a pothead. I'm smoking pot in front of Sam and Sam's sober, you know, like, and I, I never sure. think about that. Cause I don't know. I just, yeah. So that's why I ask, but it's, it's totally fine. Cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Sam that he's sober too. You know, that's like, Whoa, another sober person. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's totally fine. Like if I, if like I can't eat an orange, you know, because I'm allergic to like some orange peel, does that mean everyone else isn't allowed to eat oranges or whatever, you know? I hear that. I hear that. 
Well, don't mind my awkwardness. Let's uh, let's get into this Antarctica. Let's hear the notes. All right. So this telekinesis in Antarctica with this octopus alien creature that even the new Twilight Zone did an episode about using this telekinesis to control the planet. And if they're on Europa, on Jupiter's moon or whatever, could they be controlling us through their mind? And octopuses do uh, very weird things that give them their intelligence. Like each one of their little arms, squid, you know, tentacles, it's its own brain. So they got all these different brains. So it does its stuff on its own. And what brings their intelligence is this thing called RNA because they got this gene editing RNA. And then we all know we've hearing a lot about RNA lately, you know? Right. And these stories, like the dragon stories, where do they come from? In the Old Testament, they had the story of Jonah, who was this like big creature in the sea that ate the crew. And then you got Davy Jones Locker. And is that from Jonah? It sounds the same. Davy Jones, Jonah. And Davy Jones Locker is the Pirates of the Caribbean, this 322 Skull and Bones, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, the octopus dude. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Then you got the Simpsons, the octopus aliens who are like controlling the world through the presidency and whatnot and <laughs> wanting to eat people. So I don't know. I just couldn't like those dots. I just find that stuff fascinating. Yeah, no, it is. It is worth like painting the full picture, you know, and to people who might be a little more like fact and detail oriented, they're like, what's the what's the deal with this? But you, you highlighted the point really brilliantly when you describe why you wanted to get into movies and why you do what you do. It's because these images provoke actual changes in our society through this subconscious interplay. So it is important, uh, I think, for what you're doing, like kind of listing, hey, this is an example, this is an example, this is an example, because it just goes to show like this idea of an octopus is very pervasive. Someone who we've had on the show, Charlie Robinson, has wrote, wrote a very famous book called The Op Octopus of Global Control, you know, and that serves as a, a perfect metaphor because like you said, each tentacle has a brain in itself. So it's really serves as a, a really great metaphor to me, at least from my perspective, for what we're dealing with. In yeah, human society. That's a great point too. And just these aliens I'm very interested in. I mean, you got this whole Nazi party that stemmed from channeling alien vril energy. Like a lot of people don't know that. And I was very fascinated in learning about that because I would go to the Holocaust museums and I'm like, why is this? Like what what is this? This is terrible. Governments are terrible. So I wanted to learn about this Vril that played a major role. This like, it's crazy how well, much of a role it played. And for those who haven't heard about the Vril Society, it was a secret group of women that claimed to keep their hair long in order to act as an antenna to telepathically channel communication with alien races. And it wasn't limited to that. There were a lot of Germans in the time and all over the world, spiritualism was very popular in the 19th century. You know, the 1800s, everybody was doing seances and channeling. So, you know, 
for those uh, like the Nazi party to want to have a handle on some of these occult practices and have people in their camp who were able to maybe get some kind of wisdom from the stars. I mean, there was no reason not to. As a matter of fact, they probably suspected that the other nations were doing that too. So they would, you know, this all fits into the the modus operandi of being a nation at war. You need to have your occult, you know, operatives, and then you need to have your like more physical, you know, agents of, of actual destruction, you know. But yeah, man, the Vril Society... A lot of strange rabbit holes you can go down when you look into the real society for sure. That makes so much sense. Just like how we did that with what's, I forget what it's called, where you would think about it, viewing, you're viewing remote, remote viewing. viewing. Yeah. yeah. So we were doing remote viewing as well. So I'm sure we were channeling the real energy. Well, and then you think about after they started doing that remote viewing, you have the flyover Washington, D.C. You have Eisenhower who talks about the Nordic aliens. And you have this story of Valiant Thor who was in the White House, who's claimed to be from Mars. So that whole time period was chock full of like weird metaphysical otherworldly encounters between you know, multiple different nations. It seems like it's only like, it's it's kind of gotten like out of the realm of na- nation states and more into the realm. And I, th- I know Sam jokes about this all the time, anytime UFOs come up, but they are always harassing like farmers in the middle of Kansas who like, you know, nobody's going to see them get abducted anyways. And that to me it's like, well, yeah, of course they're doing that now because they already got the government out of the way. They made a deal with the government, whatever this group is, whether they're multidimensional from another planet or whatever, they now are, they're, you know, experimenting on us, right? Sounds a lot to me like what the Nazis were doing when they had things going on in Germany the way they like to, you know, with all their awful atrocities. But yeah, you see, you see that, that strange connection there and everybody knows about Operation Paperclip, right? So it's like, huh, did those abductions just like, or did that, those weird experiences that experiments that Joseph Goebel or whoever was doing in those awful camps you know, did those just go aboard a, a spaceship and now like people get abducted and have these weird, you know, probes and mantises and whatnot, you know? Yeah. And also like the people, yeah, I love, I love that joke. Like how they are, they're out there, they abducted people. They're like, why would you abduct it's true. that <laughs> It's true. Yeah. It, but like what I was thinking too, is that having like when I was talking about the Wi-Fi mantis in the beginning, mm. I still just shrug it off. Like, yo, that's just a dream, you know? Right. So it's funny when we have like a spiritual experience or a phenomenon happen, how quickly we can just go back to, ah, whatever, and just move on. Because I remember I was driving down LA late at night, like two in the morning and the entire city turned green. The, like the whole city, and then it went away and it was dark out. So you couldn't see anything. And then everything turned green. And then I was like, what the heck? And I'm driving and I go home and I'm searching like who else saw this. I thought it was going to be the biggest news story. And there was nothing and there's still nothing today. Sometimes I look and my friend's like, oh, it's a transformer exploding. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and then I just forgot about it, you know? And then I was talking to another friend of mine on this podcast the called paranormal cell phone towers or something like that. And I 
remembered about that and I brought it up, but I just shrugged it off. And he was telling me like if a transformer does do that, it's not going to do like the entire city like Mm -hmm. that. Right. So having, I'm sure a lot of people have had weird stuff happen, right? but we just forget about it and move on. Well, on the point of the green, the green flash that, I don't know if you use that exact word, but that's what it reminded me of. Cause I remember hearing comedian Burt Kreischer talk about this. He said, you can see a green flash when the sun sets over the Pacific sometimes, which was a really? weird thing for a guy like him to say, you know, not, a, not really like who you'd expect to be talking about that kind of stuff, but he has been on tinfoil hat. Interestingly enough, back in the day. So Bert's not afraid of the conspiracy theories, but you know, he's like a, he's like a, a, a dad comic now, you know? So it's just funny to hear him talking about that. And then Crow triple seven, who I assume you're familiar with his lunar wave. Some people interpret that as a green flash. I know you didn't see it on the moon, but that's another thing that that kind of made me think of is, is that, but yeah, it is strange. You wouldn't expect to see something like the Northern Lights in Los Angeles, that's for sure. <laughs> What's a lunar wave? So Crow 777, one of his more famous uh, subjects that he talks about, or I think he even coined this term, it's his theory based on some footage that he captured while recording the moon. So for folks who aren't familiar with Crow, I hope I have him on the show sometime soon, films the moon a lot through various telescopes, and he's very fascinated with all that and keeping records of it. And his theory is that the outside of our atmosphere, outside of the firmament, wherever, right, it's all sort of more like liquid than we're led to believe. It's not a vacuum. It's more like liquid. And, you know, you can see these waves going across the moon and his thought for some time, I don't know if he still believes this because his, his theories have changed over over time, but he was talking a lot about the moon being holographic and this green flash being evidence of it being some sort of a holographic device. So very interesting stuff. I also talked to a friend who's a kind of a camera expert and he said that that can just happen, you know, when you film an electronic device, which again, if the moon's an electronic device, that might be why Crow captured that on his telescopic camera. So it's, it's definitely worth spending like a night digging into for sure. Crow's got a big group of videos probably on BitChute now. I don't know if they, if he's been, he's been doing it for a, a while. So he definitely got purged off of YouTube back in 20, what, 17 when they did that, right? 2018 was when the big purge happened, but mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, they do man. it during the elections. Exactly, yeah. And they do it on the weekends, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the point of weekends, that, that eclipse we mentioned happening in Antarctica, was that a Saturn eclipse that they were watching down there? What was the exact alignment? Because I know you mentioned it, they, it was happening on a Saturday. So, like, my research, it was an eclipse, and I'm not sure what happened with me was I was deep in this research with Antarctica and it was one of my most popular videos. And then I recently got sick for an entire month and I got vertigo as well. So I've been so sick. So I haven't, I'm not super updated like with my memory. No worries. No worries. But yeah, it was an eclipse, but I, I, that's like the video. Some guy with a big YouTube channel is like, check out Donut. He talks about this Antarctica stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm just not fresh on it now because I'm just getting back into 
researching again because I've been sick for a month. <laughs> no worries, man. Yeah, I, I don't I don't blame you. I hope you feel better. And a lot of this stuff, I mean, I've been going on like overdrive with the podcast. I, as soon as I made that Calendly thing, an account with them, I've just been sending it to everybody. And, you know, getting a bunch of shows is great. But then at the same time. Oh, uh, yeah, that thing was nice to set up. Right, right. It was it was pretty easy. And um, it makes it easy to book people, which is why I book more people than maybe I should. <laughs> and, then, and then I get that feeling of like, oh, shit, I'm not caught up on all the podcasts that I normally listen to. So no need to apologize. I'm glad to see you're you're feeling better. Maybe maybe we can hit the brakes on that because I haven't, you know, and I definitely want people to check out your Antarctica stuff when you do feel more, uh, you know, like you have it all collected. So maybe we can go back to some of my notes because this conversation has been going so well we're already an hour in i didn't even look at my notes so donut you're oh dope so i'm doing good i'm doing okay <laughs> you, right. you're doing awesome I, I love your fucking show bro like oh, i thank you man listen to it all the time how i heard about you was from sam tripoli he mentioned i what well, i listened to little things that people say you know, I was listening to Professor Griff like in 2012 or something. And you say the great teachers like Tessarian. And then I would spend all day trying to find out who this Tessarian guy was. Yeah. And then I found it and I've like been blown away from his research. And I heard Sam Tripoli bring you up. And I was like, I got to find this guy because he was all like his stuff is like out there or you know. So I looked you up and I've been following yours. And then you were on the conspiracy castle which was pretty cool. Alex is my homie. I've been doing shows with Alex for this whole past year, which is a lot of fun, but thank you, man. I appreciate that. It's funny. You mentioned Pro professor Griff because before I worked for Tripoli, I was an Amazon delivery guy. And I just like was listening to podcasts. Like it was my job. And it was, I just listened all day, eight hours, 10 hours a day. Even when I got out of work, I was listening and professor Griff was on Tim full hat, probably in the two hundreds. And at one point in the interview, he just gives out his cell phone number because he got like so fed up. He's like, you know, he's like, he's like, these motherfuckers always saying I'm lying. He's like, if you think I'm lying, just call me yourself. And he gives out his cell phone number. Right. So me not really having I didn't have a podcast. I didn't have anything back then. I had like a, a YouTube show I did with my friends every now and then. And I got his number. I just saved it in my phone thinking like, this might be useful one day. You never know, you know? And sure enough, synchronicity has it that I end up, you know, freaking booking for Sam one day. So maybe it will come in handy. Maybe I should hit Professor Griff up. And uh, and yeah, I love that you brought him up because he's, he's a great example of what hip hop used to be and why I love underground rap and hip hop because those guys that I was listening to who were making their music in the late 90s late 2000s they were inspired by all that truth filled stuff that wasn't so available on the internet at least to me that came out in the late 80s and early 90s like you know professor griff and poor righteous teachers is another really great group that i recommend people check out a lot of that stuff kind of went the way of like marxism and black israelite stuff which is fine i understand it because there is some history there but i definitely don't agree with any supremacist group whether they're white black red or yellow you know either way yeah man Professor Griff. So, and he's the one who kind of taught me, not taught me like personally, but from his video right. about Connecticut, 
being divided into the nine squares. So Connecticut was divided in this tic-tac-toe square, like the Freemasonic square. We just had New Year's Times Square. You got Tiananmen Square. So it's all this Freemasonic symbolism with these squares. And Connecticut had the nine squares in it, which is tic-tac-toe, which has three going this way, three going this way, which also has the 33, which I thought was crazy. Dude. Because we play that game, and that, that's where it comes from. Donut on the fucking My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast, teaching me something new about a state I imagine you never been to, but a state I spent my whole life in. Have you been to Connecticut? No. Exactly. So, But you know I'll that. I'll come down there and no, read some but, books. Dude, dude I've, been, I've been researching, and you're more than welcome. I've been researching Connecticut uh, a lot in the past few months, obviously, with the show and, and kind of just like having a little more time to drive around and look at weird buildings and stuff. Obviously the Tartaria subject got me kind of into that, but what you just pointed out is really stunning for me because the County map of Connecticut is very much like what you put. I don't know that it's, it's nine counties. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm just forgetting. It used to be. Okay. And that makes sense too. Cause you know, What people don't know maybe is Connecticut used to be two colonies, the New Haven colony, which is where Yale is, and the Hartford colony, which was like the Connecticut proper colony. And that colony was started by a guy named John Winthrop Jr., who was a practicing alchemist in the Royal Society. So Connecticut has a very, very tied in history with like, you know, the Royals in England and their whole alchemical occult practices. And then you bring in the whole German Dutch connection because New Haven is a a Dutch word and it was a Dutch settlement and all the Bohemian, you know, Illuminati occult stuff that was going on in Germany. And that part of the world all came in through the Southern half of Connecticut where they call the gold coast. Right. And new Haven's kind of like the end of the gold coast, more like bronze. If you ask me, it's not, not quite all as glittery as Greenwich is, but, but yeah, man, the cult in the cult inner circles are deep in Connecticut. Skull and bones, scroll and key wolf's head. Those are three of the, you know, lodges in Yale, but it goes way beyond that. Like I said, with the Royal society. So I got to look into that tic-tac-toe configuration and maybe get school a little bit more on the whole Freemason connection. Cause I have the books. I just, you know, I haven't done the research on the Freemasonry side of things quite as much as I have like, you know, Rosicrucians, Crowley, like the more like, I don't want to say recent occult stuff cause Freemasons are recent, but they have like an ancient history too. So, but yeah, man, thank you. I appreciate sure. that. Wasn't yeah. expecting that. <laughs> Yeah, and like the this is why I think there's going to be a ritual with the show The Office because The mm. Office takes place in Scranton, and Scranton, wherever that you know, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, yeah, that has like nine districts as well, bro. All right, so this I heard you talking about The Office with Conspiracy Castle, and uh, and immediately my mind went to Scranton because a guy I do a show with, his name's Michael Wan. He's a Susquehanna alchemist. I definitely recommend you check his channel out. He's been doing shows on YouTube for a while, and he breaks down Scranton. There's a mob that's very, very powerful that runs Scranton, and they're one of the lesser-known mob families, which is you know an indication of how powerful 
they are because you really only we hear about the the lower ring on the hierarchy we don't typically hear about the real power players in groups like the mafia and scranton's a big mafia town not only that but joe biden is from scranton and the whole saint john's thing and then from the more occult esoteric perspective mike found this uh, connection there is the largest deposit of anthracite coal in the United States underneath Scranton, which is a black stone that you can light on fire, right? So think about that occult like symbolism of a black stone that you light on fire, right? Like most people heated their homes with coal a hundred years ago. Now we use oil and like some people, like my dad still use like a wood stove, but yeah, coal is is like a very interesting type of, of element in the world you know just for its uses but also for the fact that it's like you know like i said a mineral that you can light on fire and it will you know create heat that's interesting (laughs) because you got santa claus which is like an ancient story too where he gives out the coal right right? and in the show the office which is like my favorite show so i know it really good Dwight gives out coal too. And he's like, no, this is like really good. Like coal and goes into this whole coal like speech on how great it is. And, but the office, that's interesting. I'm going to look up all those names and dive more into that. Oh yeah. I'll send you the links when we're done. But Joe Biden's from Scranton, you know, he's the president right now. And the office takes place in Scranton. And what their last season they had the checkerboards for the cover. So it's like these Freemasonic checkerboards for the cover and one person's dead on it. Oh, it looks like that, but she's drunk, but it looks like she's like dead. And we're in the water tiger year. This is why Elon Musk posts like a meme of a tiger flicking its nuts because the tiger a tiger is aggressive kind of you know the tiger kills the bull we're leaving the ox year in the chinese zodiac the rat year was when we had the lockdowns and whatever the rat year was also when we had the 2008 financial crisis and we're also in the shemitah year as well which was when 2008 happened and elon musk is predicting that there's going to be a recession sometime in the Shemitah year, sometime during the spring equinox or the win- the spring equinox or the summer solstice, where they do all the rituals like Burning Man, because Burning Man is just a big rif- ritual where they burn an effigy, a sacrifice of somebody just like Bohemian Grove, Skull and Bones. And the Illuminati founder, Adam Weishaupt, died November 18th. So Drake has a song called November 18th. And Mindy Kaling of The Office, she was the writer for The Office. Very talented. Look, I, lo- I love The Office and all this, but I like it so much, I see the symbolism. And I'm right. like, dude, there's something going to happen. <laughs> Steve Carell, he is a water tiger. So he was born on the water tiger year. Mindy Kaling just released her new show, The College Lives, The Sex Lives of College Girls. I mean, it sounds like a porn I would buy or something, you know? (laughs) Sex Lives of College Girls. (laughs) And that was released on November 18th. Joe Biden from Scranton, where the office is, he had his famous six minutes, six days, or six weeks, he said on October 1st. 
if you add those numbers up from October 1st, six weeks and six days from them is November 18th. So there's like all this November 18th symbolism, Mindy Kaling rising the power, the water tiger year, and even Michael Scott, I just know them by their names from the office. <laughs> Michael Scott, he's a water tiger, and he was in the Space Force show. And the Space Force is about the UFOs and all that with on Netflix. And right. Netflix is just this big propaganda machine. Of course, they're yeah. Even, they're even building things in Colorado to re-educate like, teachers like Netflix founder. So there's all this weird stuff. And then it wasn't like a Netflix founder's mom murdered like she was like 80 or something like that. See, you know, oh, weird. I know yeah. the more well-known connection of Edward Bernays to the founder of, or the creator of Netflix. Right. And that everybody knows Sigmund Freud was the uncle of Edward Bernays. Edward Bernays, a famous propagandist who helped cigarette companies and Coca-Cola and all these other, you know, dark, deadly uh, chemical companies really create this wasteoid culture that clearly has affected my life has affected yours as you described but it's like you know and and that's why i loved like the fast food symbolism video that you did because it's like so obvious that you know it's not about giving people a cheap affordable meal <laughs> at all especially when you look at like the occult symbolism behind it but back to the office i mean you know one thing that i think people maybe get a good laugh at just out of the pure strangeness in the character Dwight Schrute is his Amish connection. And like, you know, my friend Mike, who I mentioned before, who I do a show with, he lives in Lancaster and that's like Amish County, like that a lot of Amish people live there. And, you know, I've talked to him a little bit about the Amish. And what's interesting is the Amish have a very, very unique and diverse folk magic, right? And you'll see it like they put these weird Amish sigils in their artwork and you can see it on the sides of their barns if you drive through uh, that part of the world. So there's definitely a lot of magic concerning like Amish. And I don't think that they like, you know, made Dwight's character that eccentric and weird by accident. Like he's a good portrayal of like those two cultures combining. And then you also consider that the Amish are they used to be Germans, right? So they used to be from Germany mostly and uh, Dutch areas, which again, Illuminati, Adam Weishaupt, you know, the um, Skull and Bones itself was founded by groups who were basically uh, paying homage to the German chapter that inspired Skull and Bones. 322, they picked that number because it was founded in 1832 and it was the second Skull and Bones chapter. The first one was founded in Bohemia in Germany, right? So, and you know, the Santa Claus connection. I mean, how many Christmas episodes did The Office do? Probably like four or five. You know, the show ran for like 12 seasons. They might have done one each season almost, it feels like, but. There's so much like weird symbolism around Santa Claus. I heard you mention Black Pete comes up a lot in those kind of folktale versions of the Santa Claus, Sinterklaas stuff. And to me, when I hear that Black Pete, it reminds me of the Moors and the Moors head. And if you look into uh, Germany and some of their royal symbolism, you see like these this black saint Maurice. And he was like this great Egyptian who came 
from, you know, or a Moor who came from, you know, Africa somewhere or Spain, you know, the Iberian Peninsula and taught, you know, people some of these things that, you know, maybe they used in when they were doing their occult rituals, you know, because all that stuff comes from Egypt. You know, these these Europeans, they came, they stole all that information from the people in the Middle East when they did the Crusades. That's what the Templars were all about. And they brought all that occult knowledge into Europe and fused it with that Druid you know, Druidry stuff that they had already, you know, the pagan stuff they they already had going on. So it's, it's so weird, you know, people look at the office and they don't see it for that symbolism. But like you said, you know, when you love something as much as, you know, cause I, I love the office too. I've been watching it since I was a kid. My mom and I used to watch it together. I have it on DVD, but like, you know, we're not trashing it. We're almost like paying uh, a little bit of an homage to it, but also giving people a warning, like, Hey, if you're not aware this kind of symbolism might affect you in your life. And like also to learn this, what does it say about Mindy and all these other people? Like how connected are they and how normalized are these occult practices? You know, it makes you wonder like, where did these people go to school and how'd they learn it? Cause like you said, you, they didn't really make you feel like you're going to learn anything cool in school. At school sucked. I had the same experience. You know, I wasn't really made for school, even though people tell me I'm smart. Like I did not do well in school. I really flourished when I decided to try to learn things on my own. You know, that's that's when I became what I would consider smart. But, you know, the 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 fact of the matter is, is there are two levels of our modern American society and I can't say as much as maybe you can about the office and the symbolism, but I think, you know, that might be a, a point like where a certain sector of culture watches that show and sees something. And then another, the other half sees a whole nother thing. And I think another example of that is with the squid games, you know, there's a very clear, you know, distinction between the elite and the average person in that show. Right. Sure, sure. Yeah, in the office with Dwight, he always drops truth bombs throughout the whole thing. He says their money's not real since we left the gold standard. He's always dropping these little he's like, "Oh, we will all start eating each other on the doomsday apocalypse." Like he always dropping these little things. And Dwight was in one of these Transformer movies with Michael Bay, the, you know, guy who makes Transformers. Right. And Michael Bay worked with the CIA for Transformers. So there's all this weird CIA connection with Megan Fox, Dwight's in it. And then you got Jack Ryan, who's Jim Halpert, right? Where he's Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy, who is like, talks about the CIA stuff and speaks at the NSA and whatnot before he died. I'm sure he died. And who follows him? The CIA follows Jim Halpert on their, his name's John Creventhin. I can't pronounce his name. So I just call him the butt office. But the CIA follows Jim Halpert, Tom Hanks, and Ryan Reynolds. And that's it. Right. Like pretty much. They only follow a couple people. So why are you following an office character? So there's all these connections. And Michael Bay produced that show, Jack Ryan, as well. So I don't know. I'm just looking at and like I'm saying, I'm a fan of all of them and I like all of them. Um, but the connections are there to the deep state. I mean, yeah, it's whether it's CIA or even NSA, it's pretty clear that, you know, directors like Michael Bay nowadays, even Steven Spielberg, I think he's probably connected to some weird stuff. But then you look at maybe directors like Stanley Kubrick, who 
seem to have, you know, pushed up against the mainstream narrative enough to risk their own life. I mean, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, even like the Space Odyssey movie gives some indications of something that I know Flat Earthers point to as being like proof of of, of space being fake, right? Which I don't know if it's that far, but obviously those NASA films are fake. I mean, it doesn't take uh, much time to figure that out. You just watch them, you know. They're not playing golf on the moon. Give me a break. (laughs) And they lose the NASA tapes, and they're like, oh, we lost them. And then, oh, we found them again. So, like, Stanley Kubrick, it looks like he filmed that whole thing. And the 2001 Space Odyssey had this AI in it. And the AI was called HAL, which is IBM, because HAL after H is I, after A is B, after L is M. So IBM. Wow, okay. Yeah, and that was this artificial intelligence where AI comes into play, where A is one, I is nine. So we got this whole 19 thing going yeah. on. So I like to talk about AI quite a bit because there's so many connections. There was a movie after eyes wide shut where he exposes the Illuminati and the Rothschild mansion and whatnot with the mask and the ceremonies and the movie after that he made was called AI. And that's when he died was making AI that film and Steven Spielberg took over the other half. That's why the, like the movie's weird. It's like dope, but then it starts sucking. Like it's like, a, it's like, two, it's cause it's like two different movies. Well, I heard about that and I heard that he was going to reveal some really obvious connections to the whole pedophilia thing. Cause obviously the Franklin scandal had happened before, you know, before that movie was planned to come out. And then you see this guy, Steven Spielberg, who there's a lot of questionable things about him come in and and take it over yeah you're right it does it's it's just weird and the fact that they used the first part of the movie that was still part like made by stanley and then they just yeah it's it's pretty obvious what they were doing there they hijacked it and then in 2010 so there's the 2001 space odyssey and 2010 space odyssey which i've never watched but i guess it's about aliens coming working for lucifer and they got the whole ai how system as well and they say you can you can't touch europa where these octopus aliens are damn <laughs> coming full circle yeah. yeah holy shit so what more is there about that because i for folks who don't know europa that's a moon on jupiter they say that there's water on europa right there's like oceans so i mean sounds like a place where an octopus could live sounds like a place where an intelligent like super race of octopus could uh flourish and and who knows maybe in the ancient past they made ships and and came over here and and they've been here ever since but yeah what a you know yeah, so it's like magical mushrooms. My cat wants to join us. You know? Oh, hello. <laughs> it's like mushrooms. Mushrooms are pretty alien. We don't really mm. understand it. And they can live in space, and they're talking about building homes in space. Well, fungus Art. actually, yeah, there is a, a sort of mysterious origin when some mycologists who study that kind of thing, like ancient mycology, I guess you might call that subject, they find that there is really no, the same way we have this missing link, you know, evolutionists talk about the missing link with human beings. There's this kind of missing link with mushrooms where we're not quite sure how they, you know, came about on the planet. 
it seems like maybe they're the result of some sort of, you know, other thing coming here from some other place through space, right? Or, or through whatever's outside of our atmosphere. So with an octopus, the nautiloid is mm. still the same thing. They don't know where it comes from either. They're wow. like, they have no idea. They're like, what? <laughs> I think they've even seen fungus on places like Mars as well. So we have, we have octopi in Europa. We have fungus on Mars. <laughs> where, where else do the connections go? It goes into Elon as well, like Elon Musk. He's going to Mars. Elon was predicted in a book from Operation Paperclip pretty much by Werner Von Braun. Werner Von Braun, who worked with Disney, Disney doing their movie magic on like the minds of the masses, putting out shows like Hannah Montana, right? Where her high school has checkerboard flooring and she lives on Crowley Corners too. So you can see some occult stuff there too, because I know right. you know a lot about that. Right. And Hannah Montana... Miley Cyrus, her dad is Billy Ray Cyrus, who made Lil Nas X famous, you know, so and he also used his music for the Al Gore and Bush campaign. So both sides and Cyrus goes back to Cyrus, the great Babylon, Babylon, you know, all that stuff. But Elon was predicted in this Werner von Braun book about a guy named Elon who would colonize Mars. And I'm just like, what? And he, that's the rocket program. Yeah. And the rocket program with Jack Parson was all about sex magic and occult sex magic. And Elon's obsessed with sex. He's always posting 69 on all of his tweets, like his Teslas are selling for like 69,000 or whatever. And all of his Teslas spell out sexy. You got the model S, the model like three, which is like a E and you got the model X. And so like, and he's the guy who's building these rockets going out into space. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. No, and it's it's all there. I'm looking this up. Cyrus the Great of Persia. So, yeah, I mean, that definitely is no, you know, it's no accident. You know, it's, it's like people hear this one example and they're like, oh, great. Yeah, Cyrus, whatever. People use that as a last name. But, you know, when you look at this in conjunction with everything else, it's like, what? And then the point about Werner predicting well, Elon, I mean, come on. That seems like, I mean, it, it makes sense given Elon's strange, like, you know, rise to fame, fortune, and power. He doesn't seem to be like that connected but obviously he must be from some one of those south african like billionaires that found one of those mines down there and you know whatever happened but i found it really peculiar that now they're going to be putting these star links up through the sky and people are saying they're flying in low earth orbit you know a chain of them reminds me just what we were talking about before like the dragon lines like or the dragons uh, or ufos flying through the sky you know he's He's creating that as well. Yeah. So like Hannah Montana and I'm connect this in with Elon, like Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus, she's who brought twerking to the entire world consciousness, you know, with Adam Thicke. And they were all wearing black and white checkers while they were doing it to checkerboards. And people are like, Oh, she didn't invent twerking. You know, that's a big comment I get. I'm like, no, she didn't invent it, but she brought it to the minds of the masses. And now every single girl I know likes to twerk or whatever. Like that's their thing. Like, and they brought it to the minds of the con the masses and Elon is really connected, you know, with these Starlink satellites are the new space race. So 
the new space race is who can get these Starlink satellites up into space, uh, satellite network communication systems and whatnot. And whoever can dominate that will dominate the world. And this is why Trump did a big rollout for it as well, because China is leading the world. At least that's the propaganda that we hear that China is this like is leading the world. So maybe they are, maybe they're not. I mean, so you got to kind of like look in between the lines with that, but whoever they, I mean, there's military documents on it. I did videos on it. I, I'm not going to talk much about it because it's something that you're not allowed to talk about sort of. And, but this is the new space race is, is these Starlink satellites. Mm. And I don't know where I was going with that. Well, I mean, I, we don't have to necessarily, yeah, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so Elon's connection with like Hollywood and the Kardashians, you know, so Elon Musk met Grimes at this Kardashian party and Grimes promotes you know, communism. And she says that she got alien tattoo and all that. And there's just so much stuff with space and NASA and all that. Right. Grimes is definitely weird. I mean, you listen to her music. It certainly sounds like it's like some futuristic attempt at like an alien form of music, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying like none of these people are not talented or whatnot. Like, I think I heard Grimes back in 2012 and I was like, this chick is dope or whatever, you know, and forgot about it. Or I didn't know who it was, so I kind of look it back up. But there is their connections with these superpowers is undeniable, and like, <laughs> and that's what what I'm I'm pointing at mostly, you know, because mm. I don't want them to see the video and be, think I'm just like trying to attack them, like you know, like. Well, yeah, no, don't I'm an worry. Artist as well, I'm an artist, so I understand like right. making art. It's it's hard, you know. You're and, vulnerable. Well, I'm you're- glad. I'm glad you say that though, because I think sometimes, and this is not the case for for you in particular. But I feel like, you know, on YouTube and and definitely in podcasting, there is this like dehumanizing that goes on with certain people just because they have a cult symbolism. And, you know, honestly, like I wear a cult kind of symbols like right here on my jacket, like, you know, so, you know, if I became famous, somebody might think I'm like in the Illuminati because I wear this jacket all the time. Like, so there is there is like the a lot of importance in what you just said cuz we're not we're not trying to criticize anybody it's just you know whether or not these occult symbols are being used it doesn't indicate that somebody's a criminal but it might indicate that they're participating in something weird and nefarious that the rest of us should know about you know we're not trying to indict on and say like oh their art shouldn't be listened to or absorbed but you know, be aware of what kind of subconscious imagery might be going into your life with somebody's art, you know, and then appreciate that too. Cause I think like Led Zeppelin is a good case where I find there's a bunch of occult symbolism in Led Zeppelin. Doesn't stop me from listening to Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin. And as I just me- listened to your show with uh, <laughs> Santos. Uh- Santos, I love Santos. Yeah, and that was so sick how he connected like that. Yeah, oh, man. and just listen to that too yes. last night. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you for highlighting that. I think if folks haven't heard that moment, please go back and listen to that episode with Santos because I don't know how often he talks about that subject because his eyes lit up and he was very excited to get he's into that. He's a musician, that. right? Yeah, he's a- Right. But, you know, most people want to ask him about flat earth and syncretism. So on a show, like, I don't know if he usually got. And for me, like, dude, 
I was nervous to talk to him. Like, I'm like, geez, you know, and it was like a last minute book too. So like, we didn't really, I didn't have a lot of time to plan. And like the first few questions, he was kind of like looking at the camera, like, this bloody idiot that I'm talking to. Like, it was like, I know anything. Yeah. like no, you did great, bro. I didn't notice <laughs> that you. at all. Well, when I, did, I, did my- I did edit a little bit, but thank you for saying that. <laughs> when I did my Jordan Maxwell video, I was so nervous. I was like, Jordan, I'm so nervous right now. But when you say that, it's it helps too. It helps me to point that out when I'm doing a show to be like, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I, I don't know if I said that to Santos and I might, if I did that, it might have taken the steam out of the room a little bit, you know, and let the elephant out of the room or pointed the elephant in the room out. Because yeah, and it, for the listener, bro, when I heard you say that, because I did listen to your interview with Jordan Maxwell, I was like, oh, cool. I could relate with this guy because I'd be nervous as hell talking to Jordan Maxwell too. So there Every is, single time. yeah, well, there is this kind of like authenticity that I think podcasting offers people because they're listening to it, you know, in their headphones, probably while they're working, probably while they're chilling out or whatever they do in their day. And like, I find the synchronicities for me were so cool when I was a listener, like just going through my world and hearing something said at a moment when I was in a place, I'm like, why the fuck does that connect? You know? Sure. So now people are hitting me up on, you know, IG or through email saying like, dude, there's a synchronicity. Like, and one guy even had a dream where I was in his dream. So like people hitting me up saying stuff like that. I'm like, okay, I, like as nervous as I am, like this is worth it, you know? Cause I'm making like a real connection with people and there's no doubt that you're doing the same thing, man. So yeah, definitely worth, yeah. worth saying. So I appreciate you uh, pointing that out. Go back and listen to, to Santos folks, but Santos. where were we? We were on Led well, Zeppelin. Santos has been sharing on Facebook about the urine therapy. Mm. You know, urine therapy. Yeah. Mike Winter actually me- mentioned that I was on a show with Mike Winter, uh, last night or the night before. And, and he mentioned snorting urine, which I had never heard of before. Is that supposed to be a COVID protocol? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been looking really into it. Like that's my next like project that I want to get into like okay. documentary kind of well, project. Don't give it away, but if you can give us little teasers, cause I know people are going to follow your channel after listening to this episode. So what can they expect maybe from that video? I'm pretty new into learning about it, but I just don't, I know like my friend back in 2012, he was yoga raw awoken. I'd made music videos for him talking about pretty much like everything we're going through now and I could send you those links too or whatever. And he would tell me, I'd be like, I got acne on my face and I'm embarrassed and I'm in California and they're so prestigious here. And he's like, dude, just put clean pee on your face. And he would talk about putting pee in his eye, but the dude was pretty like smart when it comes to stuff. So it opened my mind to it, you know, and I move on with life. And then I see Santos sharing about it. And so I've been listening to all these podcasts, how <laughs> the urine, the order of the golden dawn also like right, what right. is this golden dawn? And then you got all the angels peeing. Why are all these angels peeing? Where does this piss come from? Mm. You know, and like everything coming from the front of us is not like toxic. Like this chick was on this podcast saying like, you can have semen, you can have piss or whatever. But I I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And so just like this topic I'm reading about right now, because I like the out there stuff. I like octopus aliens and I like 
that. And so I'm, I don't really know much, but that's what I'd like to learn from interviewing them about it mm. and learning about it. Cause when I make these little projects, I get to learn about it. Like yeah. that's what, that's how I make a video is what do I want to learn about, you know, today. Mm. Right. You know, so, yeah, well, I'll give you another little insight on that whole subject. Uh, we touched on some of the things I have in my notes here, but one thing that I saw that really stuck out was 322 Memphis Moon Rituals. How much of that is fresh on your mind, and, and can we get into a little bit of that? Because there, there's a lot of information on Memphis, and you know, it goes back to Egypt, obviously Memphis, Tennessee. There's some famous artists that have died in Memphis, and there's that weird pyramid over there. There's uh, a pyramid in Los Vegas that's called, you know, the Luxor something, and it's in alignment with Memphis, Tennessee. So it's in alignment with it, like on the on the map. Yeah. Wow. Right. So. That's where Tupac was staying at the night he got gunned down. Damn. That's where the Las Vegas shooting happened, right in front of the pyramid. I grew up in Las Vegas, so I had birthday parties like in Vegas, and I had one one year at the Luxor. Like, if you wanted to go to a concert at the mm. House of Blues at the Mandalay Bay, I think, where that whole thing happened, you'd have to park at the Luxor and then walk over there. Damn, That's man. interesting. The whole Memphis moon ritual thing was about young Dolph being sacrificed. Being He dropped an album right before young Dolph got gunned down on Illuminati. Like he has, he's doing the triangle and the Illuminati eye and the whole thing's about Illuminati. And then he's gunned down after that, just like Tupac came out with Illuminati. And that's pretty much where I learned about the word Illuminati was from Tupac's Illuminati mm. seven day theory. And I know that dropped, I think November 5th, I think I could be wrong, but November 5th is the day of the Astro World event. November 5th is the day that they gunned down Bill Cooper. It's also the, what's it with the masks that people wear from that yeah, movie Spy V Fox for Vendetta? Yeah. Remember, Fox, remember right? the 5th of November is like a, a thing in that movie, right? Yes. Damn. And so with this whole Memphis moon ritual, I titled it that, you know, because of, I think Elvis as well. I think Elvis died and he was known as the sun King. Mm. Elvis was connected with the government. I mean, the president gave him a pass to travel the entire world with as much drugs as he want. And he died <laughs> in like a sacrificial type way. Right. In the toilet porcelain when there's and there's a porcelain club one of the secret societies of hartford or, or not hartford harvard which you know is kind of like in opposition and sometimes to yale but still uh, equally prominent right but right and harvard you know epstein had his own office at harvard epstein like funded a lot of that stuff <laughs> right and what this economist magazine with the antarctica predicting the world they're talking about how Harvard's going to be leading in 2022, putting dust over our earth to block the sun. And that's what they're talking about. So like that's predictive programming in here is about solar engineering, blocking the sun with dust and Europa, they bring up Europa. So I'm like, what the heck? So we're going to see some alien stuff there's, I guess, a UFO day also happening this year. Yeah, so there's bring up crypto and all that. So, so a lot of things, a lot of things. So, UFO day is that going to be like a national holiday or maybe like a global holiday? 
that what they're saying? They're going to bring it in. Yeah. So I guess they're, I'm reading about it. They're like, there's going to be a, they're talking about like the most like main topics of what's going to happen of elections and presidents. And, and then they bring up UFO day, national UFO day on this day. And I don't, I got to find like the page on that day, but it's later in the year. I'm sure you could pull it up, but, but so there's this whole alien agenda that they're pushing now getting everyone interested in aliens. They're talking about Europa in there. Antarctica is known to have aliens there. So it's just, we got a lot of stuff to talk about over the next couple of years. (laughs) Well, podcasts will be around because of that. Well, for sure. Undoubtedly. And it does, it does make you wonder when you hear they want to cloud the sky, maybe that's to hide whoever's coming from the other side. Uh, now back to Memphis though, I brought this up over here and I want to share the screen with you because I know you'll appreciate the occult symbolism here. And it's a really strange order called the right, the ancient rites of Memphis and Misram, which is basically Mithra, right? Because they have all these other ways of of naming Mithra. But check this out. You have the Ouroboros. You have the all-seeing eye. You have the Rose Cross. You have the Freemason, typical Freemason stuff, but not so typical. Uh, you don't generally see the triangle behind the uh, square like that, but that's definitely an indicator of something. You have a gavel and a ladder. Those symbols, I mean, the ladder, I I think about that all the time, like how people, when they choose what they want to do in life, it's like going up a ladder, you know, and the further you go up, the more it's scarier to come down from this position that you're in and anybody can come along and just kick the leg out and you fall and, you know, go back to being bankrupt or something. And the gavel's curiously right there to sort of symbolize that. But then we have obviously the middle. That's a yid. Okay. Thank you. So donut clearly is up on it. So good. Good on you, I know how to read Hebrew, but I don't know what it saying well i was gonna say i have this tarot card deck that i found at the barnes and noble that was really strange because it's not your typical tarot card deck it let me get out of screen share it's you know designed to teach you about rosicrucianism through using this tarot card deck and it has the whole you know kabbalistic lettering right so that was the kabbalah and you know you said it's a yid right yeah yid okay Mm -hmm. is that does that symbolize? No, Aleph, I think, would, because it's like Aleph, Bat, Vet, Okay, Gimel. got it. So is there uh, a number that that would represent? Yes. So like, the yeah, the Torah and the Hebrew alphabet, it's all coded by numbers. And this is where, like, I guess, like, Gematria, I'm not too up on it, but like where Gematria comes from. But I do know about the Hebrew letters and how it's a number code. And there's a movie explaining it that's like, a dope movie called pie which i recommend it's by the guy who did requiem for a dream mm. and he did that movie noah as well but like olive and bet one plus two like is abba or whatever which is like dad but one plus two equals three and the, the way it's written out is all like a code for language so like one plus two would be dad and then the three would equal what a kid is. And then the three plus those numbers is like what a mom is, like the way it's spelled out. Right. 
and the Fibonacci sequence is in it. The golden ratio is in it as well. So it's all like code. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, again, a big reason why our families think we're crazy from time to time, because when you start making these connections uh, and then sharing them with other people, if they haven't done the legwork to kind of familiarize themselves with the code that we are now deciphering, they're even more baffled because now they're being hit with a code on top of a code because we're trying uh, to decode things. And, you know, you put it very well there. Each letter, even in the English alphabet, has a numerical value. And not only does it have a quantitative value, but it has a qualitative value. So mother, father, son. I mean, you can even think about that from a geometrical level. You have a point and then two points make a line and then three points make a, your first shape, which could be a triangle. Right. So or oh, wow. it's only ever a triangle. Right. Three three points make that plane so that's why the triangle symbolism mother father and then they create a kid that finishes the triangle i see what that's right, sick right so there's all these dimensions you know through which we you know as armchair researchers and and with the help of like authors like jordan maxwell and yourself we can sort of really get to the bottom of this stuff so movies and shows in particular like the squid games when we watch them we're not just like bombarded to the point where we're like well this is how the world is because that's how my family i feel like and i don't want to you know point them out or single them out in particular but i feel like that's how the general public sees a movie like oh okay this is what they think is popular you know or this is what's popular right you know right. and then they kind of maybe assimilate their life or like you know some people are pretty stubborn and they don't, you know, like the way you said your father's seen a UFO or your uncle, not your father, your uncle's seen the UFO and he's just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, like some people see these kind of things. It doesn't really vibe with them. But in the case of the Manchurian candidates, I mean, there's an extreme case for this kind of symbolism triggering somebody, but it happens to everybody in a variety of ways, you know, and I think conversations like this help people be aware of it and maybe i don't know stay away from getting triggered into you know this kind of thing and you see it really explicitly with what we keep going back to which is a hip-hop culture and i know you're a hip-hop you're involved with the hip-hop community you know as an artist as someone who produced videos so you know you you understand firsthand you know like what what was going on there and you know unfortunately a lot of people don't see the symbolism and <laughs> you see what happens to them in their life it's not it's not great it's with my family like it's not great and i wish i could like shake them and control them you know but then i'm like being a tyrant you know like True. i don't want them to be like yo so like this I really relate to the name of your podcast and your show. My family thinks I'm crazy because they did. They've sat me down and was like, not like my parents, but family members have sat me down at family like tables and gatherings saying they'll pay for me to be put into like an institution or something. Cause the <laughs> stuff I say, and they think I'm crazy and they bring me aside and they say, you don't really think these things, do you? Like they're really worried or whatever. Mm. And I'm like, I think I, I, I'm like an anarchist in my brain. Like I'll let my thoughts go wherever I lead them. I don't filter my thinking, you know, I filter my 
speaking because of political correctness and you can't say things, which is like a form of mind control. But where I'm at now is that I just accept and allow them to be whoever they want. Like I can see their life just crashing down and I just show up as an example. I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I do this, especially with what's going on now, like how it's so divided between what to do for a solution for what's going on in our world. Right. And there, I can see that their lives don't go well and my life keeps going better and better and better. And I just love them. I just have love and acceptance and I can't tell them what to do or think because then I'm being the same government that wants to like, so the government tells me what to do and think, I don't want that. So why should I tell someone what to do and think? So that's just where I'm at. And it brings a lot of serenity in my life and it comes up where it's painful because I'm like, Oh man, they're going to suffer, you know, but maybe that's like their journey. I don't know. I just tell them my thoughts and then I'm done. Right. (laughs) But I wasn't like that before, before I was tyrannical, like don't drink the water. (laughs) It's got the fluoride, you know, and freak it out. Yeah. Damn. But that didn't, that didn't do anything. They all kept doing it. So now I don't tell them to do anything. You got to lead by example, man. And, And you're, you're making a great point. And it's something I've heard multiple times on the show from multiple different perspectives, which just adds to the value of what you're saying. Cause people are, are sensing that. And, you know, I just had a conversation with Loomis, like I said, and he's, he's done a podcast called Chan It Down Radio for almost nine years now. And one of the things that he mentioned was like the bullhorning phase. And I feel like I was kind of in the bullhorning phase, which is, well, he described it as like, you learn all of these things and you just want to let everybody know. But as you put it, I mean, that could run you some risks. I mean, I've definitely had uh, friends who stop talking because of the things I talk about and insist on talking about, you know, and in a sort of lone wolf kind of way, I always was like, well, fuck them. You know, they don't understand conspiracies. So why should I be their friend? But now in hindsight, I'm like, well, maybe if I led by example, uh, and I wasn't so like, uh, pushy with my ideas, then they would have come around eventually. Right. Cause now there's really no bridge in some cases. And some of my old friends, like they get it, you know, they they've known me for a while and they, they're kind of, again, like warming up to things and like, especially in the past two years, but you know, even with this whole past two years, you know, there's been some divides with old friends who, you know, they just got really scared about what could happen. And what I was trying to tell them just fell on deaf ears because they didn't, you know, they already had it in their heads that, well, Mark always talks about stuff that's anti-establishment. So of course he's going to say this. Why should I trust him? You know, I never, you know, maybe they didn't really have a reason to express their distrust when it's about aliens, but when it's something as like, you know, vital as your health and the way it's been, you know, constructed the narrative, it's, it's made people really, really afraid. And, and if that leads to some huge alien disclosure, it would not surprise me at all. Cause like you said earlier, you know, they've been planning this stuff for a while. And I know I heard this on one of your videos that you put out on the donut factory. Um, there is this whole symbolism between event 201 the Illuminati, and then it also brings up Agenda 21, which most conspiracy 
people get into that pretty early. It's out there, Agenda 21. They talk about, you know, these plans that they have for the population of the world. It doesn't sound like a world I want to live in. I mean, that's a big, big topic. But what are your thoughts on where we're heading in 2022? You mentioned crypto before we yeah. broke up there with the, with the audio recording. Any thoughts on how that ties into it? Yeah, so crypto, it's new technology. It's not really new. It's like over a decade old, like Bitcoin or whatever. But it is the blockchain. So it's like the second layer of the internet, which will be able to track and trace everything and you will get rid of so many jobs. So it is the future, but it's being pushed out to the, the narrative to the public with stuff like Dogecoin and whatnot, meme coins, get people interested in it, have all the celebrities pushing it. And they are, and I mean, they're going to dump the market on, a lot of the people to take their money to fund the fourth industrial revolution. And biblically that could be like the fourth kingdom. That's what my friend Joshua Abraham was telling me. And there could be, because I like to connect stuff that I don't know about, you know, like I like to connect those things in with it, but crypto, I don't know if you know Christopher green, but he does Bitcoin rich. He has AMTV. He has this big channel on crypto and I produced his videos for eight years and I went to all these crypto conventions out here in Singapore and all over the world. And I thought it was stupid, you know, and if I would have invested like 10 bucks in it, I would have a lot of money and I didn't. And so like, I'm learning about it and it's going to take away a lot of jobs because it gets rid of intermediaries or whatever. I can't say the name. Intermediaries. But like, intermediaries because it verifies transactions on the blockchain or whatnot. So that technology will be used for the robots and the AI and whatever. And it's also like a track and trace thing so they can follow you everywhere. Like everyone's working at home. That's another thing that's coming up for the new year, how everyone wants to work at home. And then it's going to be coming to this whole political uh, feminist, masculine, not masculine feminist, but feminist, divide between man and woman because most women aren't going to go into the workforce studies say and men will so they'll get paid more so that we're going to see some rift there but that's all on purpose because the biggest divide we hear about black and white jew muslim we hear about the divide uh, america china or whatever it is that's a little like it's simple divide but man and woman, they're trying to divide from each other. Right. So we hate each other. Right. And that's like the hugest divide. I, I completely resonate with what you're saying. I think that's like what, you know, the exterior, they want us to focus on the exterior, you know, what's on the outside, like what nation we live in or what nation we're from or what ethnicity we we're, we have, you know, and, and really like the biggest way that they've weakened us as a human species in this country and in many others is by breaking down the family unit. I mean, I know it's not this way in uh, every sort of ethnicity, but at least like, you know, my family, my, my grandparents, they were French immigrants from Canada and, you know, they came from families with like five, six, seven brothers and sisters, you know, and, you know, here I am with one sister and, you know, each of my parents only had two siblings, right? So you see, like, the kind of, like, fractioning. And I'll say, 
I have friends who maybe are from a different culture or different, you know, ethnicity in Connecticut who have a bunch of brothers and sisters. And I see how like maybe their life is a little different than mine. I wonder like, hmm, like how is that benefiting them versus, you know, what's happening in my life, you know, and, and I've always wondered about those kind of sociological things. And I, I, I actually, I really love this opportunity right now to say this, because one of the reasons I dropped out of college was because of my sociology class. Because as much as I loved sociology, when I went into this sociology class, what I realized was the teacher was teaching us brainwashing propaganda BS. Like it was like, it was so bad that like one of the first lessons she gave us was uh, about zombie movies because one of her theories was that, you know, the average person is like a zombie, right? I mean, this was the type of like thinking that they were trying to put on us in 2013 and 14 to regard people who weren't college educated as zombies, right? And we see the, the symbolism of that in movies. So, you know, I don't know, maybe I was a little quick to jump the gun there, but I dropped out of that school shortly after that class and and i had a bunch of objections to her lesson plan that really that's why i dropped out because i became kind of like like what you said really struck a chord with me towards the beginning of our conversation because i literally was laughed at you know i would ask questions and the rest of my class would laugh at me like and i and this is college i was thinking like oh this is my chance to to really like step out of and i'm like oh no this is high school all over again fuck this you know and i enjoyed my freshman year but yeah sophomore year was like brutal for that reason and you know again we keep touching on squid games and it's come up a bunch with the octopus <laughs> and like i i haven't seen it i told you from the beginning i haven't seen it but i want to know you know how this connects to everything we're talking about did we go too far from crypto though is there anything left well i mean like <sighs> With the school thing, though, I, it rings a chord with me, too. Go so this it. book I wrote this is a PDF. It's like five bucks. I wrote it as, uh, you know, it was during the lockdown. And it was right in the beginning. And I was making videos on it, giving my opinion. So it was pretty, like, fresh opinion because now it's been so saturated that even me – in the whole conspiracy realm, I'm taking more stuff from other people too. So even I've been deluded as well, but Guilty. It, was like, <laughs> it, it was pretty fresh of like, right. It's cool because it was right when it was happening, what I was talking about and studying at that time. Mm. And it was about con like psychology mainly. And a lot of stuff that I learned from listening to, to Syrian and David, um, talk about autophobia from like four years ago or whatever and how people have a fear of being alone. Cause I've had that too. Like, I don't want to be alone. I want to keep partying and go out and I don't want to go home. And then I started working on that a lot that being okay, being alone, being okay with myself, with therapy and whatever. And then when the world was getting locked down, I was like, bro, people are going to freak out because the whole culture that we live in is alcoholic, violent, narcissistic. Narcissism is pretty much the lack of feeling one's own emotion. And on a scale of like being able to, and not because they kill off the emotion and our whole world is built off of like, I'm not allowed to have feelings or emotions and uh, men and women 
And I just knew our society was already screwed. And then this lockdown happened. So I wrote a lot about that in it. I touched on the Wi-Fi mantis a little bit as well. And but it was, but it was fresh. It was like right when it was happening before I got a lot of information from other channels. So I like it, but it's not really a book, I would say. Okay. Um, but it's cool though. I think it should be a book. I tried to publish it, but nobody would publish it because of uh, copyright issues. Cause I stole a lot of images. So I'm rewriting it now and I'm going to have it. It's going to be super dope, but well, I don't know how long it's going to take. I, I definitely, I, I would love to help with that too. I don't know if we, if this made it in the recording, but you mentioned the audio thing, but yeah, there's a couple of ways to do that. I've actually been looking into a lot of stuff in that realm myself, but on the copyright images, there are ways you could get around that. I think there's a couple books that I have that, you know, you know. so many books with images in it. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe, maybe like a guerrilla publishing style, because with the internet, you could just sell your books directly to your audience. I mean, that like who's stopping you there? Obviously, you you don't have like the printing equipment at home, but I think there are companies that'll that'll print that for you. I don't know. We'll talk about that out, off the air, but I definitely want to put the link in the description so folks go check out the PDF of that book because, like you said, it's still cool even though you can't publish it with the copyright images. Those images are a big part of what you do anyways. When you're talking about your videos earlier, like you need these visuals. And that, those are some of my favorite books, especially when I was younger. I would love the books with visuals because it's just, for my mind, I need that. I don't know. Um, yeah, the symbols. We see in symbols. We dream in symbols. Our language is written in symbols. So people think symbols are evil, but they're not. Like the symbols are just like what we see. Right. And and I think it's connecting to the other side of the brain, which is like the left and right, like a battery. That's why I really liked your last show about Tataria and the star. I don't know what it was called, the sports star. I have to look star into that. Forts, yeah. Star forts, yeah. It opened my mind so much more on the brain how it's like left and right and how a battery works with the left left and right or whatever and the moon goes up and down with the sun the left and right kind of thing have you ever heard of the Wardenclyffe tower no so all right so nikola tesla built this Wardenclyffe tower on the north shore of long island in the year like 1900 and a few years later, they dismantled it because he ran out of money and nobody wanted to do this project. And also this other competitor had figured out a way to send communication through wires, right? But Tesla, he never wanted to use wires. He was like, we could just send energy through the ground. So what his tower did was it had this well underneath it, had these chambers underneath it, and the tower spun around, right? And when it was operating, when they were testing it, people in the area reported seeing big flashes of electricity coming off of the tower. And Tesla famously said in one of the newspapers something like, well, if people were up later, they would have seen far stranger things, you know? And uh, they were definitely sending energy or trying to send energy through the ground, which, you know, if you go into the ley line stuff, you'll find a lot of information about England, but those energy currents that they called ley lines, like we talked about a little earlier, are also called dragon lines in Asia. And, you know, they're all over the U.S. I even was reading a book where they say Disney in California is on top of three ley lines that intersect. 
and the carousel, much like uh, Tesla's tower that spins, the carousel was placed right where those ley lines are, spinning the energy around the park. So whether that energy is good or bad or what that does for us, clearly, as you're putting it, we have an electrical nature to our being. So there's got to be something that happens. And especially with the Tartari stuff, you see all this stuff about, you know, electric cities and all that. So it's fascinating, man. I'm excited to see when you get into Tartaria. That's what Scranton is, is the electric city. Right. And we're going into the office. And dude, that last episode was so dope. Oh, and (laughs) I remember you you talking about that book. And I want to read that book about, and you guys were talking about the Ferris well too, which could have been the energy cycling and then you look at like egypt from above and the pyramids it looks like a computer like microchip even the the one in in mesoamerica looks like a computer chip as well right so yeah it's like it wasn't just one place where they were building this type of architecture that to me is always like oh okay there's a method here you know there's something going on here it's not just you know for decoration (laughs) So when you were talking about that, it really like made my imagination kind of go and open my mind a lot where like you fly in the plane, you see the cities are like circuit boards as well. And that's mm. what your guest was talking about. The city looks like a circuit board and the everybody's getting nanotechnology, Elon Musk, Neuralink, you know, and all this and whatever other nano stuff out there, like, you know, the Neuralace that Grimes pushes and these celebrities where they, the transhumanism agenda pretty much becoming like a cyborg <laughs> connecting. You know what I'm talking about? Everyone yeah. listening yeah. knows what I'm talking about, but like how, if everybody's connected like a robot to the circuit boards, like moving around like a circuit board, like just stuff like that I was thinking about. And yeah, that, that episode was good, dude. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. I didn't know that point about the electric city in Scranton. I, I, I didn't realize that. So I, I drove around there once and it's, it's an odd place. It's not, it's not the friendliest city, but it's definitely, it's got some cool architecture and some good food. I had a, a burger there. <laughs> I want to go there. It's close to you? Well, close for me isn't close for the average person. I like to drive, but but yeah, it's like a four-hour drive. I mean, East Coast oh. is all pretty, you know, pretty close to each other. I've been as far south as Virginia, as far west as Colorado, so I like to drive. But but yeah, Pennsylvania is not too far. Connecticut, if, if people ever come here, I mean, Yale University is definitely strange, like the Skull and Bones building. I've had some weird experiences uh, surrounding that whole place and, you know, just uh, Hartford as well, which didn't really dawn on me until more recently, but they have a Trinity College in Hartford and there's also a Trinity College in uh, England somewhere. And I think one in Dublin, Ireland too. And that's definitely- The drink I'm drinking is called Trinity. (laughs) (laughs) Synchronicity. We got to have like a bell or something for the show. Alex has all those sound effects when people donate. I want like a bell for for when there's a synchronicity on the show. That'd be dope. But, but yeah, I, I think there's so much more and I'm, I'm really appreciative of that Connecticut checker, not checkerboard, uh, tic-tac-toe board thing. I got to look into that and I'm sure I gave you some things to look into, but let's give the audience, uh, something to look into. Tell us about what you got going on over on your YouTube channel and, and everywhere else that they can find your work and support you. Sure. So yeah, I got donut. You just look up donut spelled D O E N U T. 
and I got a lot of information coming out. You know, I'd like to put out documentaries. It's well edited, unlike me speaking. Like when I speak, sometimes I'm a robot because <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. And yeah, I mean, I'm going to be putting out a ton of content so you can check me out at Donut. Just look that up. <laughs> right on, dude. Well, this has been fun. I appreciate it, Donut. We got, I appreciate uh, you. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Oh, man, this has been fun. And I got to say, I got like so much notes here on things that we haven't covered. So there's still so much more to get into. Go over and check out Donut's YouTube channel because that's where I took my notes from. So there's still plenty more. I'd love to have you back on to get into anything else that comes up. We barely touched on some things that I wanted to get into, but it's getting late over here and I want to let you go. So thank you so much, my friend. And uh, thank you to the listeners for listening. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the nap. All right. Thank you for sticking with us, folks. What a conversation with Donut from Wi-Fi mantises to Illuminati symbolism and everything in between. We still got to get them to explain squid games because i haven't watched it yet don't plan on it but eh, if somebody has reach out to me at my family thinks i'm crazy on instagram or at mftic podcast on twitter you can go to our website myfamilythinksimcrazy.com to figure out all the ways to support the show so that you can keep this train on the tracks i can't do it without your help And you can also find my email there if you want to get in touch with us through the website. That's a good way to get to me directly. If you didn't notice, we have merch. That's right. Shout out to Starving Artwork who made some pretty cool designs for us. Those designs are available in a variety of different shapes and sizes of t-shirts, sweaters, long sleeve shirts. We got it all on the merch website you can find it through our link tree or you can find it through the episode description you can go to linktree slash mftic or you can go right down in that episode description here in this app that you're listening to the show and uh, figure out all the ways to get our bonus content that's right we have bonus episodes on the patreon on our rock fin and we're moving it's 2022 Not much to say this episode. We have a new patron that's going to get a new spirit animal name, but I did the outros out of order, so I'm going to wait and not do it this episode. I'll do it after the next couple folks who have signed up, including today's guest. So shout out to Donut. Thank you for your support, brother. You got a spirit animal name. And everybody who's listening to this show, maybe it's your first time checking it out. Uh, This is the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We might not have the same content that you get with Donut with the videos and whatnot, but if you go over to Rockfin, you can find all of that. If you go over to our Patreon, you can find all of that. Obviously, our YouTube is pretty much just audio, uh, but... I do plan on changing that up eventually. We might have some cool stuff on YouTube pretty soon. If they'll let us be there. We've already had strikes on several videos that have been taken down forever. Uh, James from We The People Radio and Corey Daniels from ThePhoenixEnigma.com. So 
YouTube, we recognize it's not a place to stick around, but if it helps us introduce new folks to the show, well, then it would be dumb not to be there, right? So that's the same reason why we're on Instagram and the reason we're we're on Twitter. And, excuse me, never going to be on Facebook. (laughs) Too too many family members on Facebook. This caused trouble. So here we are, folks, in the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy outro. Support the show, get the bonus content, get a spirit animal name. Just put out a new episode of the Library of the Mystagogue talking about some of the new books that I've got. And for everyone who has signed up for the Best Friend Book Club and hasn't received their book yet, don't worry. I'm sending it real soon. Uh, And thank you. Big shout out to our friend who ordered a necklace from our store really appreciate that i'm going to be packaging it up real soon and shipping it out i know it's delayed i'm very sorry about that but don't worry you'll get it i promise and if that sounds like something you're curious about go check it out we got some artwork we got some jewelry for sale all made by yours truly uh the artwork made by my girlfriend tara so go ahead and check out the artwork Anyways, like I said, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow Donut on YouTube at The Donut Factory if you are not already. And if you're here from The Donut Factory, give us a a like and a follow and all that good stuff. Subscribe and uh, enjoy the show. Thank you for being here and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Peace.